0: Live from the fish tank, it is your host Ronnie, back with another episode of the DSAC Fantasy Podcast. Uh, we are going to have Chris on here later this episode. We're going to do some uh, live lottery reveals. We can get the draft orders for your for, for basketball for sure, and I think there's a possibility we'll do hockey. Uh, I am admittedly recording this uh, in advance of that interview, so... um I'm trying to hedge my bets here so I don't uh, get anybody's hopes up and then dash them. It's the last thing I want to do with this here. You know, I'll get you all excited for uh, two lottery reveals and we only do one. But in due time, uh, we have uh, some loose ends to tie up from the football uh, rookie draft. Uh, we have just one trade and just after that, it's uh, just baseball the recap. So Pretty light on the, uh, the, you know, the the boring stuff, so to speak, with just me talking. So, that's good for all of you. And uh, with that, we can go uh, right to Chris here. All right, and finally, after uh, a week or two weeks now of kind of planning this out, uh, I'm joined with Chris, and we are going to go over uh, lottery stuff for uh, two sports, I believe. Today, is that right? That is right. That is correct. All right. Well, that's the uh, that's the reward you guys get for having to deal with uh, us not being able to to hammer out a time last week We get to double up on the content for you all. They're very lucky, really, if you think about it. Oh, for sure. I mean, who doesn't want to hear uh, even more of my voice on a weekly basis? Yeah. All right. Well, I believe you wanted to start with basketball, as some
1: inconsiderate person looks like we're driving by the house. Yeah,
0: I heard that. Wow. Yeah. Hardly. Uh, doing so this, this is what happens, folks, when uh, you live on a house where you technically don't. Well, you have neighbors, but you uh, you have roads on all sides of your house. Oh wow! Very. Local. I'm, I'm lucky sense. at my house because we're we're a corner unit. Corner unit,
1: but we're on the corner, but we're at a. It's not a very busy little intersection that we're at, so it's really nice.
0: Yeah yeah obviously my parents house I'm only 25 I can't fucking afford a house Are you kidding me not in, this, yeah. not in this market all right so basketball as I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted by probably some 55 year old dude with a scraggly beard and a, yeah. a do-rag or whatever or bandana yeah yeah
1: probably a bandana he's got some patches on
0: yeah all right so so I believe, as we were speaking beforehand, we would like to uh, make this a, uh, a a pretty accurate uh, draft lottery stuff. So that means you guys will have to wait for the actual order. We're gonna make you wait. We're gonna do uh, some like two guys pretending we know stuff about the draft class first,
1: and then yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we really haven't watched much, much college basketball. Yeah, I, uh, I did all of my homework today, so I'm ready. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm fresh in my mind. My homework was like reading like articles on the athletic related to the Pistons uh, and potential picks or to potential players that they could draft. So I know I have a mediocre amount of knowledge about like seven or eight players.
1: Do you know where they are uh, expected to go in the lottery? Like what their odds
0: are? The Pistons themselves? Yeah, this, like I've are, seen, like
1: I think three or four or something like that. They
0: are tied for the best odds in the draft at winning it. I uh, I don't know what uh, what pick that makes them you know statistically most likely to get. Yeah.
1: yeah, well, this is this is a a good draft for their needs, really. Uh, I think because they don't really need a, a point guard right off the bat. This is uh, in general a pretty bad draft for point guards.
0: This is just not exactly a. A a great draft in general? From my understanding. Yeah. uh...
1: I'd say the um the top it's kinda it kinda reminds me of the the Lamello Ball draft where there's three or four guys that could arguably go number one. And that tier player is pretty good. This I don't think this this group is as good as what that one was expected to be at the top, but it's it's similar in that you probably have a handful of guys who could legitimately go number
0: one it wouldn't be a surprise yeah i think that's fair to say go ahead i was saying i think that's a, a fair assessment
1: yes yeah, uh this draft it's um so i was going through it going through the players and stuff it looks like it's so the top end isn't as good as a lot of top ends are but but it's a real problem is that second tier players it doesn't have really a great set of second tier guys that you can pick up in the lottery land like a like a Scotty Barnes or something where like he has this guy that has a lot of high and a lot of potential um, or a Tyrese Halliburton. But that said that next group uh, after that, I think it's actually pretty deep for your, especially fantasy wise for the second third rounds of players on the real draft, you know, you the second round, uh, late, late first. So I think it could end up being a pretty decent, Real-world draft overall.
0: Yeah, there, there should be, like, quality players, but probably unlikely to have any, like, true superstars. Yeah, yeah. Although, to be Except honest... For I fantasy, maybe. Yeah. I, I do About think... Nice. Yeah. I do think at some point, like, I might almost prefer if the Pistons end up with, like, the fourth or fifth pick. Not, like, prefer in the way that I like those players better, but with the relative uncertainty... At the top, I'd almost rather just end up in a spot where you just take a safe player who you know is yeah. going to be a good NBA player for a decade, and then not potentially whiff on one of the top guys.
1: Yeah, and for me, I have the, that first tier as four. So if they did get four, that's
0: that's probably looking pretty good oh, for them. You have a tier four. Well, I, I guess we could probably probably sh- should uh, should probably start from the top here with actually naming uh, these players, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Right. That's, that's, that's A little music for everyone. All right, so like you're saying, there's a there's not really a consistent, a consensus, consistent, consistent. You know what <laughs> I'm trying to say there. Consensus. consensus. Yeah. Uh, number one, um, fantasy wise, I think, in my opinion, there is, and you know, his name is Jabari Smith. Um, he's. Number one, big. He's six ten. He carried the corpse of Auburn into uh, into the tournament. They got they got bounced pretty badly in the second round, but um, he doesn't really he didn't really have a lot around him. Um, the, a lot of the talk was basically that his coach is terrible and the guard play on that team is terrible, and he did whatever he could just to just pull that corpse into. A, you know, college playoffs, like kind of like Steph Curry did with Davidson and Durant did with a really shitty Texas team. Um, but for me, he's definitely the number one. Um, he's not, even though he's big, he's not a great rebounder, but he's an excellent shooter. So, um, he, and on top of that, he has no real glaring weaknesses. He's not going to block a lot, but other than that, he's he's a really complete, and I, I think the most complete player, uh, the comp that I've seen for him a lot is Shard Lewis. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, that's They're basically similar guys. Uh, Power Force, you are going to play along the perimeter more, more than anything and give you the scoring that you want, but not really do. Maybe a, a ton a ton else, but enough that he's going to be a really good contributor.
0: Yeah, and I've, I've heard he's probably, at least among the top players, the the best shooter at the top of this class.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. He's he, um he shot, I think, forty two percent from three on five and a half attempts, which is a pretty sizable amount. Which in college, you know, forty two percent is almost unheard of. It's college shooters just aren't very good in general,
0: usually. Honestly, I I, um, fe- I feel like if you look, har- or maybe among the top of the draft, but like I feel like if you look hard, you can find some guys who like really lit it up. Like, let me let me see what Nick Stoust has shot in his two years at Michigan.
1: Yeah, but I think there's a difference between like your spare role player, three point shooter. Oh, man. Nick, Nick Stowskis kind of was a star player.
0: He was a star on that 2013 uh, 14 team. i you know. Who
1: is this? Staus? Max, Max Strauss? Is
0: that? Uh, so, is that okay. You said? So Nick Stowskis in his two year shot, oh, 40, yeah, shot yeah, yeah, 44% yeah. and then 44.2%, the second of which he played 35.6 minutes uh, on almost 11 field goal attempts per game scoring uh, 17 and a half points. So
1: and he, he did really nothing in the NBA because he wasn't a, a top prospect. Yeah, but... Uh, he kind of went the way of Jimmer Fredette. Eh,
0: he hung around a little longer than Jimmer did, but actually Nick Stauskas, uh, he played in the playoffs this year, bud.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> incre- As like an assistant <laughs> coach? Like, what, No,
0: what he, does- he uh, I think he got garbage time for at least like one or two Celtics games. So he's still playing in the playoffs.
1: Well, I guess good for him. I think uh, Fredette is making bank in China, but I guess Nick's
0: doing his little thing there on the bench. That's cool. Yeah, he's played played two games in the playoffs, uh, averaging two minutes per game. He has taken, uh, it looks like, two shots total. He hasn't made none of them.
1: (laughs) Those are Delano Banton numbers, man.
0: Well, yeah, pretty much.
1: So would you like uh, would you like the
0: Pistons to grab him? I think that'd be a pretty pretty great fit. Um, to go along with Cade. Of I I think there's maybe I don't know. I you said you think there's a, a group of four. I think there's more of a group of three at the top here. Um, okay. I don't really have like strong opinions at who I like the most among these three being Shabari, Chet, and Paolo, um, but I'd be fine. Like you know, they could take any one if they get the first pick and they take any one to three. I'm like, eh, okay, sure, let's roll. I guess.
1: You, you uh, I think you're gonna love my ranking because I've got some some uh, some spice in it. I got okay. some spice that a lot of people aren't gonna like, but you know what? I bring the truth, and the truth <laughs> the truth will set you free. You'll see. But uh, it'd be a good idea if people listen to me on a certain a certain prospect. Okay. Uh, number number two, I have uh, Paolo Gozar Banchero. Um, oh
0: wow! Okay.
1: I have him number two because he's he's really good offensively. Um, he's a decent rebounder. He can stretch the floor a bit. He's not a great shooter from beyond the three, but. I think uh, for fantasy he'll be good enough. Uh, his big issue, his big glaring weakness, and why this this top kind of top tier of guys in this draft just doesn't compare well is he is awful on defense. He just doesn't seem to really give a shit. Um, the talk is basically that his defensive effort just disappeared, which you could kind of expect if. If he were Jabari Smith, where he has no one around him offensively, so he has to pick and choose where he puts his his energy, but he played for Duke and Duke wasn't a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. They're usually pretty deep, so he doesn't really have an excuse, I think. Um, he has some interesting comparisons with like Chris Weber or Julius Randle, but I think a better comparison would be Jabari Parker, and I think that's a real reality that he could be facing where he comes in he's he wants to do it all on offense but he's so bad on defense that he ends up just not finding floor time after a while i think he could potentially you know if he doesn't get his shit together on on the defensive end uh kind of flame out after a few years as parker did i think parker's only
0: like 27 28 just crazy to think about but okay so like maybe i'm not like as up on uh paulo as i thought but like the the Chris Webber comp was interesting because I I'm pulling this up right now. So for this looks like let me do the math here four or five six for a nine season span, Chris Webber in the NBA averaged twenty three and ten. That was amazing, I, I, yeah. I <laughs> that that feels like a very lofty comparison because I don't I don't know yeah, if, I don't know if like stylistically. Because, like, I know Paolo's, he's, of, of the ba- of the top three, at least in my mind, he's, like, the better yeah. facilitator of the three, you know, better ball mover. But, like, being a, a legitimate double-double threat, I mean, Rubble was, like, six nine two forty. 240. Like, this is, I, I don't know stylistically if they would compare. Maybe I'm completely talking on my ass here, but. No,
1: I kind of I thought, because uh, I came across that comparison. I saw Julius Randle a lot, but whenever I saw Chris Randle, or Chris Weber from the Ringer, and actually, a few. I have, a, I have an issue with a few of their comparisons. I was a little confused because I thought it was a pretty, pretty bad comparison. But um, yeah, I think he's. I think he does comp more to Jabari Parker. I think they have similar games, and I think they have a similar potential career arc if he doesn't start putting the effort on the defensive end. Yeah. So, uh, for number three, this is where I shock the world. I'm going to shock the world.
0: I'm going to shock you, and you're not going to like it. A real shock master here. Are you ready? Are you ready? Number three is not Chet Holbrook, who uh, we'll
1: get to much later. I actually have Keegan Murray. For, okay. Um, fantasy first. Now, this is for fantasy, not in real life. Uh, yeah. But his big downsides are he's old, he's 21 gonna be 22 in the draft so he's an older player uh he's really only done it this past year and i guess you could argue that he's playing against less mature competition because usually you know good players they they come out earlier in those freshman, sophomore
0: there uh, there I'm, tends to be a lot of like guys who hang around the big 10 though like the big 10 is usually not like a, a one and done conference like he he may not you know be playing as, as good of players as you might see in some of the ACC schools, but, like, he's he's banging around with a few, like, quality forwards who have had some real college experience in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah. Well, well that's what I'm saying that I like him. That's, I actually yeah. like him quite a bit. That's why I have number three. And, uh, in my opinion, he actually has potentially the best fantasy profile of the entire draft class. Uh, if I had the third pick in this draft, I'd be very happy to get him. Um, because unlike the others, he's he scores extremely well. He does have a high percentage—fifty, five point four percent. He he shot almost forty percent from three this year, uh, on almost five attempts. So he he did take chances there. He rebounds really well, um, and the most impressive stat I think is he had uh, with a one two almost three and a half stocks. 1.3 steals and 1.9 blocks a game, which I think only one other player even comes close to that, hitting both both steals and blocks. So if he can translate that to the NBA level, he will be incredible for fantasy. And we find a lot. It, there, there are obviously some exceptions you could get but when it comes to steals and blocks, um, players in the NBA tend to stay. Uh, kind of within a certain profile throughout their careers. You don't, you don't really see like, like Trey Young, for example, I think he only averages like a steal a game. Uh, And if he were to get a steal and a half, you'd think, oh, wow, he's going to be even better things fantasy wise, but it's actually pretty unlikely that he'll ever do that because he hasn't done it yet. Um, And so if, if Keegan Murray can do that, do what He's doing in college at the, at, at the pro level, but stocks being as valuable as they all, he's going to be absolutely excellent for fantasy. So like, I, he has
0: no weaknesses. So I actually really like Murray as well. He probably would have been more like a, a four or five for me. And kind of off the top when I said, you know, I'm I i do not even know if I would prefer the Pistons to get you know a pick like four or five and take like a, a, a more safer pick. And like Murray was pretty much the the exact player I was like referring to. Uh, yeah, in, in that context.
1: Yeah, I love. Him. I think he, he's gonna be great wherever he goes. He's gonna be a day one starter potentially. He's he's a really
0: smart, heady player, uh, and he just he just does it all. Yeah, and particularly with Murray too, in like a Pistons context here, like Keegan Murray could all of a sudden. I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like it's a foregone conclusion, but he could like in theory kind of make Jeremy Grant a bit expendable. Like if you have a yeah. team like Portland, because there's been a lot of speculation there that they want to to really kind of go for it again you know with a healthy Lillard and you think Jeremy Grant's on a pretty good contract he's the type of player that a lot of teams like but he also kind of plays that small forward power forward combo role and Keegan Murray could fit very nicely on a rookie deal yeah, there in, in Grant's place or just keep
1: him make the playoffs right uh, so yeah, uh, a, a comp that I liked was uh, TG, T.J. Warren, but T.J. Warren with stocks is what I'd say. Uh,
0: and a and, and a, pretty,
1: a pretty good comparison in terms of fantasy output. This is all just fantasy output. So T.J. Warren with stocks is extremely, extremely usable. Let's see. Next, I have number four. Uh, I've seen a couple of mocks have this guy go number one overall in the NBA, uh, and that's Jaden Ivey. Um, I don't like the comps that I've seen for him, though. Um, he's a, a high-energy guard. He's got good size. He's six 6'4". Um, and he likes to score. He likes to drive. And I think that's where he's a really electric driver. I think that's where the, the comps to Anthony Edwards and Dominic Mitchell come from. But I think a, a better comparison for fantasy-wise for people to think about is really more of a call on sexton because he he doesn't really get steals he, he gets he gets you about a steal a game which is what sexton does and when you think of players like edwards or mitchell they're both getting elite steals they are at the one and a half steal a game mark and that's i just don't see him translating uh, or not translating but um improving to that extent against uh You know, better competition when he's not even getting a steal a game right now, despite getting over thirty minutes a game. But um, yeah, I like him as number four. He's probably the best guard in a very weak draft for guards.
0: Yeah, I'm not particularly big on Ivy. If anything, in like when I see him, I think of more like a a poor man's jaw. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Jaw also isn't particularly strong on defense. I'd up, he averaged one point two steals a game this year. Uh he's Jaw isn't it he's not a particularly great shooter, thirty four percent from three. Ivy's not exactly known for his his marksmanship on yeah. the jump shot.
1: He did get a lot better, but it could be a one a one year fluke, you never know. Yeah. But I think that's that's fair. He doesn't quite have the, the court vision that I think he's more aggressive than Jaw. Uh well Jaw's obviously very aggressive offensively, yeah. but I think I think that's also a good point where you think about Donovan Mitchell not, you know, not passing to Gobert. I think Jay <laughs> Ivey is very one-track mind. He's yeah. not going to be a, a real point guard like Moran.
0: Yeah, that, that's kind of where like the, the whole the poor man uh, part of that, yeah. that comes in. But yeah, as a
1: guard without doing the good things that guards do.
0: Yeah, I, I in particular,ly or in particular, don't think I would like him uh, on the Pistons.
1: No, I think he's the one player out of like these top 10 that just really, really wouldn't fit with the Pistons. Really, I mean, this is just such a bad, bad draft for guards. Um, yeah. I've got potential, I have two, potentially three for guys who could play, who play like, I'm talking like point guard, shooting guard, as opposed to like big shooting guards who also play small forward. But uh, yeah. I think that maybe that's where Ivy gets a little bit of helium is because it's such a bad guard draft um he's gonna be considered a little bit high, <clears throat> considered a little bit higher but um i don't know I like his, i like his scoring potential i like how aggressive he is i think it'll be if he can continue being pretty decent at the line he could give you some some pretty decent fantasy appeal um especially if you're if you're weak at guard yeah Okay, next, this one is, uh, here's another surprise. This is more of a, a potential pick, and it's not Chet. Uh, this fellow, has he doesn't have a huge amount of experience playing basketball, but he is, um, he's I think, the youngest player in the draft. And uh, as the season went on with Memphis, he got noticeably better as he you know, just began to learn the game. But I think the upside of Jalen Duren for fantasy is huge. Um, I love the uh, the comp I saw for Robert Williams. I think that's a really good, a really good comparison. Like he's going to be a double double machine that gives you a ton of blocks. He has really good defensive energy. He doesn't really understand concepts quite as well as what you'd want, but that's kind of the same issue with Robert Williams. He he was a bit of a project player. I know he's also I think injured in his, his rookie year, but I think that that comparison is really strong. I also see a bit of like Dismak, Bianco, which is, they're all pretty similar uh, generally, but um, I think if he can reach his potential, it would be a risky pick, but if he can reach it, you're looking at, I mean, he's going to be your center for a a long time. He's going to be a a stocks monster. But I understand he's a lot higher. I have him a lot higher than pretty much anyone, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, I, you can tell we didn't uh, really talk too much about this off-air off, uh, off air because I was not expecting uh, Jalen Duran here. <laughs> um, I... uh, the highest
1: I've seen him is, uh, I think, seven. Uh, yeah, seven from the ringer. That's the highest I've seen him as an actual draft pick. But um, I don't know, I, I like him a lot. I think he's, if he hits it, there's some, there's always some risk here, but if
0: he hits his it, potential, I think he can be a fantasy monster yeah i i don't think i would be all that interested in him at at least at at your projection i would like yeah if if we're talking maybe at seven depending on who's on the board but yeah probably in the back half of the top 10 maybe
1: yeah so this is i should have uh no this is kind of the start of that second weird tier so first tier, i'm pretty confident should be the top four uh, I know I know you had mentioned chat earlier uh, and a lot of people are really high on him. I, I'm not. but uh, this next these next few are all, you can kind of mix and match that's fine and there's um, it's guys who have a lot of question marks but a lot of potential or or might have decent floors but maybe not the highest highest uh, ceiling. so it's kind of a, an interesting mix of this tier two that's pro- would probably be tier three and a good draft but i, I am noticeably higher on Dren than quite a few so next number six i've got uh um, you know butcher this dude's last name uh benedict Mathurin.
0: mathram mathram
1: yeah. uh,
0: that's another player i like generally in that range for what it's worth yeah um Good on offense. He can be lazy on
1: defense. He's got great size. Um, he rebounds decently well. You'd hope for a little more at six seven, but um, I, I I kind of look at him as a as a sort of as a sort of Harrison Barnes type uh, offensive production where you're going to get good shooting, okay okay rebound numbers. He can just steal. He's not going to get you a ton of assists, but he doesn't. He won't really hurt you. Uh, so I think that's a pretty good comparison. I saw one comp as Prime Oladipo, which made absolutely no sense to me because you can't say that a guy is similar to Prime Victor Oladipo and then go on to say that he lacks energy on defense because Oladipo coming out was all energy. That's that's what it was. He had to develop more of an offensive game, but the one thing that he did bring was just a shit ton of energy on both ends of the court. Was excellent on defense. While well, uh, Benedict, not not so much. So I didn't really like that comp. But I think I think fancy wise, if people expect more of a Harrison Barnes, like the current Harrison Barnes, I think that's a pretty safe bet,
0: and that that's a good fancy. And he's the one thing I will say about that. Is he's more athletic than Barnes. Uh, one of the comps I've heard is like KCP. Okay. In, in yeah. terms of like a, a more like athletic guard who can drive a little bit and shoot. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I generally like Matherin. He's another guy where you know, once again, Pistons related here. But if the Pistons were picking, like between like five and seven, like I could see yeah, Matherin yeah. Yeah, depending on who's still on the board. Like I, I, I might have. I would probably would have Murray above Ivy, and then Matherin and Ivy maybe more of like a coin flip for me, and then I would see them all above Durin. <laughs> Dern, i
1: think is just to me he's just a robert williams upside guy uh he might have the same trouble though with like foul trouble because i I think that was a pretty big issue for him there as well like robert williams does but we see we see the impact of a guy who gets a ton of blocks and has good field goal percentage and a good free throw percentage for fantasy purposes real life i think you're right i think uh matherin probably fits better um mean, y'all have Beef Stew, which is one of the the better nicknames in the league already. Yeah. So Durant doesn't really fit the Pistons super well. He'd be great for the Mavs. I don't think he's going to fall to twenty six or whatever we end up being. there you may not even have a pick for all I know?
0: But um. Yeah. And for yeah, for, I, for I, what I, it's worth, too, uh, the NBA draft is based off of regular season record. Oh. But that is so a, 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 Yeah,
1: we've been doing hours for so long that probably
0: we not well yeah, yeah 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 because like so I, think I, 26 yeah. must be a pretty pretty strong yeah, yeah I, I don't yeah they're, they're probably closer, to like 20 than 26 but yeah there's something i remembered because i'm pretty sure uh the year the warriors won it and then took jacob evans uh that's not a great player in hindsight i'm pretty sure he <laughs> was like picked 29 but they had won the title that year yeah. Uh, Just uh, uh, something to kind of keep in mind, I guess.
1: So after Benedict, I've got uh, Johnny Davis. Um, These two guys, the reason I have them next to each other, they're kind of similar to me in that I think their production in college is probably the top end of what you would expect. Well, that's not really going to make a lot of sense. I think they're kind of similar players, I guess I should say. Johnny Davis to me, he's a he's a shooting guard who rebounds excellent. He's a great rebounder. He's only six five, but he he averaged eight a game, which is pretty great. He reminds me a lot uh, statistically of uh, Hart, where you have a guy who's going to get you. I don't think he's. I think he's going to score better than Hart did, um, maybe close to what Hart did this past season, but his numbers I think are going to be some more similar to what Hart did previous seasons. I don't think he's ever going to have you know, four assists a game. He's not really, he's not really a good playmaker. He's, he turns the ball over more than he gets assists. So you, you don't really want him doing that. But I think for fantasy, um, shooting guard general's not a great position. It kind of dies out pretty quickly. But if you can get a guy like Davis who can get you points and, Really good out of position rebounds, I think you're you're making out pretty well. Uh, next I've got there's uh, another name I'm gonna butcher. I got Shaden Sharp. Okay, uh, I'm gonna inter- I'm gonna interject
0: nice here about. real quick um, and say that Shaden Sharp is the guy who is most likely for Barry to trade up and get. He, he yeah, just no kidding, he yeah. screams Barry to me. Yeah.
1: Uh, he could be LaMelo Ball, he could be Darius Baisley. He didn't play in college. He kind of did the whole thing that Baisley did, where he went and just trained for the draft. Um, we saw well that worked for Darius. He was—he's okay. He's gotten better as time has gone on, but he—he he still clearly is a bit behind. Um, the comparisons I've seen for Sharp are also all over the board. Uh, one is J.R. Smith, which I don't really want. I don't really like. I wouldn't want that player. But the Ringer seems to love him and uh, said, let's see, they have Paul George, Tall Bradley Beal, Beal or Jalen Green. So that's an amazing difference there, like the gulf between <laughs> Tall Bradley Beal or J.R. Smith.
0: Yeah, and then can I perhaps jog your memory on who the ringer had uh, number one overall for at least points or at least parts of the uh, the 2020 uh, 20 draft? It turned
1: out to be Danny.
0: It was uh, Killian Hayes.
1: Oh, oh God! Okay, well, let's just close <laughs> this Ringer article because that's terrible. Yeah, almost all of my issues with comparisons are Ringer comparisons. They're all so lofty. They're so lofty. Like Jaden the Ivy, Donovan, Mitchell, Jumbo, Darius Garland, Victor Sharp Sharpier, Paul George. It's it's kind of amazing. Um,
0: yeah, I would like, really like to know how a, a six six hundred seventy five pound guy can play like Paul George, but.
1: How many who's 6'9", six, 6'10"? Like six, six, it's nonsensical. But the guy's podcast sounds really cool. So, uh, he's got a good voice. Good presence. Uh, now, this is where we get to uh, your boy, who I think you may be crushing on, um, Chet Holden.
0: I wouldn't say crushing on. I just think he's should be a guy who should probably be top three. I don't particularly like him, but I think I'm, I'm more, more on, I don't really care for a lot of the other players in this class. And uh-huh. I think Holmgren has enough well-rounded aspects of his game that he should be above, at least above, you know, the guys like Durin and Ivy and Sharp.
1: To me, he has the biggest bust potential in this entire draft, especially at, at the top. That's um, also fair. Um, his He's got a few, <laughs> one other lofty one from the Rinker, they compared him to Gobert, um, which is, it's just fucking dumb. The guy doesn't exist on this human plane. Like, if you've ever watched, tried to watch a game and he's dribbling, he's on the screen. It looks like your your screen is messing up because he's so damn skinny. He's listed at 195 pounds at 7 feet. There's a point guard later on who is 6'3", 195 pounds. He's like damn near a foot taller in the same weight.
0: Well, uh, to counter that, Evan Mobley is listed at 6'11", 215.
1: That's I, th- I think twenty was that 20, twenty pounds and an inch less is pretty is a pretty big difference compared to Chet Holmgren who is seven foot under two hundred he weighs less than I do oh, uh, I, oh. <laughs> I, I I do not see this at all as working out he maybe he will uh, we see Poku right now who kind of a similar size and build I guess I don't know how much Poku weighs but I know he's skinny as shit um who's not really a, a real starter right now the
0: or starter. really like a, a realistic like player too he's yeah he's like a, 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 a back end a, he's a seven foot
1: 190 yeah it's it's i i'm sorry i don't want a guy that's that skinny who had who's who's a center who has no weight like you if you're getting pushed around by mugsy bogues in the post i don't want you on my team as my center uh, and that's who this guy is i he can be as skilled as he wants. I don't. I don't want to take the risk. Uh, I have him at nine because someone will, and everyone's telling me he's supposed to be great. I. I don't believe it. out do see it. I think he's Sean Bradley who can dribble. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> if someone wants to take him, cool. That's. Uh, it won't be me. Uh, I'd rather trade down.
0: Yeah, trade with, down or trade out. Yeah, with the uh, the. The importance of a good center in a league like this, having a guy who. If, okay, at the NBA level, he's probably gonna if he if he's like a double double guy, which rebounding, I don't know if he'll get quite to double double limits r- routinely. With that off that point total for the double double, will probably be closer to ten than to fifteen. Yeah, but yeah. he from from three point range in college shot forty one point two percent on like two and a half attempts per game, roughly. If I do if I did the math right, maybe closer to three. He blocked 3.6 shots per game.
1: Yeah, he's Boban with handles. I But I, he's also a lot thinner.
0: I just think if, if you can have a big who's going to block more shots than your average center while also being a far superior shooter than almost anyone at the at that position, that's just that's just too much for for like our setup to pass up in my opinion. That's why I think he's got to be top 3. He just does so much at categories that carry so much weight, especially when he has a skill set that separates him from a lot of other centers. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's, it's a really good package. Yeah. But top three, I think there's
1: a lot safer, not only just safer picks, but picks that will give you really good production who don't have for me, the bust potential that he has. I know the back of the first, I'm okay with it because you, know, you can you can take that risk, but I, I'm not I'm not going to take him at the top of the draft.
0: Did you not I, just compare Paolo Banchero to Jabari Parker?
1: I did. I said he's really risky. <laughs> yeah, he's a really risky. Pick. Uh, Jabari Parker coming into the league was uh, extremely highly thought of. Yep. Um, but I think their profiles are very similar. I think he has, like I said, whenever we were talking about it, I think he has a real potential to fizzle out out fizz this Paolo. Uh, in the league because he doesn't like to play defense Uh, and Parker who is supposed to be entering his prime right now um, is barely even in the league he's what I think he was last with the Bucks for a bit I don't I don't remember he may have gotten some some mints this year but he wasn't very impactful I can say that next we get into guard we have number 10 this is my i think the first real pure point guard um and as i said a a really weak guard draft that's ty ty washington fun to say i like to say his name
0: um lsu or kentucky kentucky Kentucky, Kentucky. oh i'm thinking Uh, of uh of tiger williams from ucla so not even lsu but never mind go for it (laughs) uh
1: he's an interesting player he's got uh he's been comp to andre miller but the guy who he reminds the guy that reminds me can you have like a a
0: comparison for a guy who played in my lifetime please
1: (laughs) uh how about darius garland is that is that is that in your lifetime yeah that's who i think this that's who i think tai tai has um upside to upside to me because they're actually both they're built similarly they have very similar profiles um both known for being quick players, but they don't have explosive first step. Um, I think I think he could he could transform into a Darius Garland type player who, when he was coming in, was compared to Mo Williams, which is just another bus driver point guard. And we've seen that now he's really taken off and he's basically a star in this league. I think, I think Washington has that upside. Will he get there? I don't know, but I think he does have that upside. Uh, next up is one of my favorite players for fantasy. Um, uh, maybe my second favorite after Keegan and, uh, I might mess up his first name. It's, it could be Terry, Terry Eason. Um, I think this guy's great. Uh, he averaged 17, uh, and a little over six and a half rebounds in college. But one of my favorite things is he's a lot like Keegan when it comes to the stocks. He averaged one point nine steals and one point one blocks, which is you know, three stocks is amazing. And that's kind of what he was known for in college is just being an absolute defensive pest. But he also shoots well. So he, he's kind of like Matisse Feibul or that, you know, with, with a shot, he can actually make a bucket. So that's extremely useful. He could be, you know, once this is all said and done by the end of the year, the top five fantasy guy for this rookie class. So I'm I'm a big big fan of him. If I'm if I had a pick, I would be really excited to look his way, even as soon as like pick six, pick seven. I would I would be okay with that if you wanted to take if you liked his situation, where he landed in, in the draft. But um, yeah, I have him ranked at 11, and I am super high on him.
0: I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we're we at uh, we about uh, we're yeah. We are at about the point here where I'm kind of clueless on pretty much anyone else here on out uh, going, because I just haven't really put the research in yet. I don't have a first round pick at the moment. Uh, depending on who the Pistons take, I may feel compelled to try to uh, acquire an early yeah, first, yeah. depending on who who has what pick that the, the Pistons take, where that player is likely to go. Uh, for now, that's not really something I'm like 100% counting on, but... Yeah, uh, this will be the, the Chris show, more than it already has been.
1: Well, you yeah, hockey later, though. That's going to be all I'll yeah. I won't be saying. I'll just be getting the draft ready for hockey. Okay. Be really
0: giving you any Although, there. can I do uh, one thing here before we get there? Because there's another guy who I doubt you'll have, because I think he's a little bit later in the first round. But okay. if you're listening, Nathan, please take Nikola Jovich. I think it'd be really. Right- I,
1: I do have him. He's going to be my... My number one mention for after the first round players.
0: Okay, because uh, I think it would be really funny if Nathan has Nikola Jokic and Nikola Jokic for for and no for my, no other one reason. Of my favorite, go ahead. I would say yeah, for no other reason than the fact that their names are the exact same except for the third letter in their last name. One of my favorite
1: comparisons for him is not uh, Nikola Jokic. That's just what it says. It, the, he is not this other guy.
0: Yeah.
1: So number 12, I don't know how to say his name. Um, Ochi Agbaji, 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 I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Really, all I have to say about him is he's a senior. He's going to be kind of the oldest guy that you're going to draft here. He played really well, but obviously, the maturity of his competition is going to be lower given the age difference. Uh, He kind of reminds me of Duarte with uh, the Pacers, just a guy who can come in, he'll He's ready to play now. Doesn't have a ton of upside probably, not not a huge ceiling, but a very high floor. Um I think he'd be like a great utility player on our our settings. Just a, a very and then really if you want to succeed in this league, you really need to have a bench of guys who are just pretty good. Like the Hearts or, or Duarte or whatever however, however it's pronounced. Uh thirteen, we have Makai Branham. Um, I have his comp as, well, people are saying Middleton. I I don't really have much on him at all. Uh, I think that's probably a little fresh, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it turns out, I don't think he's going to have the steals or quite the playmaking ability that that Middleton does, but it's a nice comp. Uh, and then finally I have AJ Griffin, who is lower than what a lot of draft scouts have him as, but. For fantasy, all he does is shoot. He's a really good shooter, but that's that's really it. Um, his comparisons are kind of all over the board.
0: I'm sorry um, the the Robert, ringer the ringer huh? is showing three point shooting Jimmy Butler, like
1: yeah right. I, I, it, it, another one the ringer ridiculous on a uh, on Griffin.
0: I, was saying, uh, like, but, I, I feel like I remember seeing like you know like a a popular like like fan scouting like YouTube video type thing where like Griffin is just like an absolute shit defender.
1: Yeah, it's 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 nonsensical. Uh, they also have Jalen Brown. I had a, a question mark and exclamation mark next to that on my notes. Like, what? I don't know. Like, where are you getting? I guess just the the high school hype coming in um, because he does not get steals or blocks. So the comparison to Robert Covington by DraftNet is also similarly ridiculous. But whatever. He's going to shoot well um, if your team needs shooting. He's going to be great for it. He's not going to hurt your percentages at all. His big issue, though, is injury history. Um, he's got a lot of ankle and I think Achilles injuries, foot injuries.
0: Oh, good. So that's that's, that's exactly what I need, a, a good shooter who has a history of very lower body injuries.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Would so fit
0: right yeah. in on my um, team.
1: He could fit on my aisle, actually, pretty pretty strongly. Then I had a few guys who uh, I'm looking at it later in the draft, but we've kind of spent a lot of time. As it is, so maybe we could just uh, move on, move on a little bit.
0: All right, let's actually uh, do the order here. All right, so if you want see. to go over the 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 odds first, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to do. So
1: with the first pick, or the best, the best uh, potential first pick, uh, best odds is Paulo. With uh, he's going to have a thirty-seven percent chance of getting that first pick. Uh, next is Sean, somehow, who did worse than Paolo. I, I assume it was because Paolo's missing for a couple of months during that heavy COVID season. Yeah. Because uh, Sean's team was just not good. Um, He's got 22% at the first pick. Nate is third with 16%. Next is Keith at 11. Another person who was desperately trying to tank and it didn't quite work out quite as well as he wanted. Um. I've got Ping next, 7%, and Tom at 4%, Nut at a huge two, two nuts. And then finally, yours, not truly, you, Ron, 1%. you might get it. You can, you can take ballo and then watch him flame out. Or Chet Holmgren, watch him flame out.
0: Man, that that's still... Is, that's a burr in my saddle, still that I fucking missed by half a game. Half a game.
1: Love it. All right. Uh, so for the actual lottery, uh I could hang up and record this, or I could just do it right now. It's up to. You. I'll, I'll let you decide. If, let's, let's... if you say that I can just do it over the phone without recording, you can't give me any bullshit about it being fake.
0: Do you have like, like another phone or something you could use? Like, could you like borrow your wife's phone real quick? uh no, no she's she's downstairs doing doing homework could you like uh, maybe on her phone could you like have maybe like stream this a roommates only fans yeah
1: all right <laughs> let, me, let me try this john speaker maybe i can i wonder if i can start recording yeah time lapse nope i can't so i can either i can hang up or i can just do this right now
0: Let's do it live. I like you. You are you made the playoffs this year. I don't think you have any any reason to rig a lottery that you have no chance of winning. No, I had no picks at all. So that's true as well.
1: All right, I'm hitting submit. Bum, bada, bum.
0: And Let's go last to first.
1: Pick number eight is Ron.
0: Thank God. Surprise there. I don't, I don't. It's not mine. It goes to Tom anyway. So I'm okay with trading the eighth pick in this draft.
1: <laughs> pick seven goes to hey, all right, we're, we're going in order. Pick six goes to Tom. This might be the first time that this whole lottery like works out perfectly.
0: Is it just me, or were you also kind of hoping that Sean would get the last pick?
1: That would have been hilarious. <laughs> all that work <laughs> for nothing. God. <laughs> pick five, Sean. Oh, no. Second best odds, he gets pick five. Uh, That is
0: very, uh, that's a great example of how his (laughs) season
1: went. Pick four goes to Keefe. That's where it's supposed to be. Pick three goes to, oh, Hallow. Number one odds, number three pick. Though as we've gone over in this draft, that's probably not a bad thing. But he does have, or whoever has, either he or whoever has the pick has number three. So number two. It looks like for the last two spots, it's between Ping and Nate.
0: Yeah, let's just reveal number one at this point.
1: Number one with the number one pick, Nate. Wow. Maybe number two is to Ping. So Nate moves up two spots, Ping jumps up. Was that one? one two, three spots. Poor Sean drops so much. Yeah. Uh, so the order again is number one pick, Nate, Ping, Paulo, Keith, Sean, Tom that can run for the order that does not include trades or anything.
0: I've not looked at that. Yeah. Uh, so preview later on. That means for the, the order for the second consecutive draft, the first pick will be Nathan. The second pick will be ping. We'll see if Nathan oh. trades this pick again to ping like he did in football. <laughs>
1: and there we go. There we have it. That was fun. I had a good time. Did you love. have a good time?
0: I, I did. That. I feel like I, I learned about some players here, some basketball players who I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Um
1: Yeah. And you learn not to draft Chet Holman. Ah. Well, I don't have the pick anyway. He does not so. exist in this earthly plane. He is too skinny. He may be a walking uh, black hole. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll see about that. But as I said, I don't. Once again, I don't have a pick. So, in realistically, I don't know how likely I would be able to even trade up to get a uh, a player. Because the only thing I really have for like good value is like i do have my next two firsts so if if people are banking on my inability to make the playoffs which to be quite honest is a pretty good bet based on actual results um you know maybe but
1: yeah i've thought about maybe making a big move i gotta i gotta share some salary anyway yeah. so i might make might make some noise there we'll see
0: i somehow have like a well i shouldn't say somehow i've made a lot of moves but i have like a shit ton of cap space and I could, I have two, two players on decent, decently hefty deals that I could realistically probably cut and come in with like 30 million in cap space or something crazy.
1: Ooh.
0: I mean, the free agent market's gonna suck, but I mean, ooh. well, I mean, you know, for, for a trade, ac- trade acquisition, I mean, it all it took yeah. was for Barry t- acquiring Embiid to go on a run. So oh, who, who, says I, who says I can right? He says, wow. looking at all the bad teams who no longer have a good player to trade, with the exception of Nathan, who is just it seems wedded to the idea of Nikola Jokic wasting away on a dog shit team for the next three years. <laughs> I didn't say it, Nate. You did. Hey, I mean, I, I've made the Bugatti under a mobile home. I, mean, I think multiple okay, on multiple occasions with with that situation. So. Great. Right.
1: All right, man. What you gonna
0: tell us about some? Uh some hockey. All right. Well, when it comes to hockey, this is a draft where there actually is a, a player who reasonably should be the top pick. Like the, whoever ends up with a top pick in this draft probably should not have too much to really think about. Uh, the top pick here should be Shane Wright. He's a center, which as we all know is very important in hockey. Well, at least most of the owners seem to figure that out. Um, he's a, he's not a, a superstar in the making at this point, but he is an incredibly well rounded player. He's probably maybe a little better in real life than maybe in fantasy, but as a centerman who's re- responsible defensively, probably will do well with faceoffs just based off sheer volume. He's got a really good shot. He's a decent skater. He's got some pretty good smarts about him. I mean, obviously, he is the presumptive top pick. Uh, an interesting note here he was uh, selected for exceptional status. So within the, the the CHL, there's three leagues, the Ontario Hockey League, the Western Hockey League, and the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And right. exceptional status applies to all three of those. That is when you can enter those leagues at the age of 15, as opposed to the age of 16, you have to not only be good enough in terms of talent, but you have to be, like, mature enough to handle it, which, you know, the word maturity and the age of 15 are a, a bit conflicting, but... You, you guys understand what I'm trying to say here. He's
1: Hopefully they don't have Twitter.
0: Yeah. A lot of comparisons to maybe like, a, and this isn't necessarily an offensive output comparison, but more like a stylistic comparison to guys like Patrice Bergeron and uh, Mika Zibanejad. I don't really do player comps very well, especially for hockey, and a lot of the people I read up on don't do them as well. So you're not going to have you know, me going here like Chris was and saying, yeah, this guy is like, well, if you took Chris Weber and uh, – Put him in a in a uh, an an unethical science lab with T.J. Warren with like four feet. That's not going to happen here. But regardless, whoever wins the lottery, if you don't take Shane Wright, probably not the smartest move here. But we'll see. Uh, and then from here, there's uh, this gets kind of messy pretty quick uh, after Shane Wright. Uh, Based would on you say
1: this is a strong draft?
0: No. Or no. okay. Yeah. Uh next year. Oh boy, I would be targeting the bad teams and trying to acquire their first round picks for next year, folks. Free strategy tip for you there. Uh second for our league, I would probably put Logan Cooley just because he's also a centerman. Uh he's a he's a better skater than Wright. He doesn't quite have the same shot. I mean, there's there's well, there's a reason why Shane Wright is relatively comfortably ahead of Logan Cooley in the rankings, but it's this is a this is a format where being a center helps. You know, being a, a higher scoring winger is less important than being a slightly less offensively gifted centerman. Just, the, the position of center just does so much more for these different categories in our format. Yeah, and, and I'll put Cooley there. Um, after him, there's – I'm going to say, like, let's make this, like, a, a tier of three. We have uh, Irius Lefkowski, who I believe is going to – he so he was tournament MVP of the Olympics, but the the pro leagues didn't go, with the exception of the KHL. Uh, but he's going to play in the World Juniors as well, and I believe he's also playing in the World Championships. That's not a very common occurrence for one player to play in World Juniors, Worlds, and the Olympics. Uh, he's He is a winger, though, but he's big. He's 6'3", six, six, 220. So he's got a pretty good shot. Uh, he's going to put up some points, but it, it, the the whole being a winger thing is um, the the impediment here in regards to our format. In real life, I can see a strong case of taking two over Cooley, but, you know, we're talking fantasy here. And then yeah. behind him, uh, there's also uh, David Juracek, and Simone Nemec, both of them are right-shot defensemen. Uh, Juracek from Czechia, and Nemec from Slovakia. Um, honestly, kind of kind of similar players in terms of they're they're decent puck movers, but they're not really like they're they're not like a like a Quinn Hughes type of offensive dynamo. They're they're better real life probably better real life players than uh, fantasy. Uh, I don't think either one of them is particularly physical. In terms of like laying a lot of hits, there's no there's no red coat goodis in their games. Um That's Yeah. But they're they're relatively smart defensemen, they move the puck well. a may be not the greatest skater, and he is coming off a knee injury from the the uh, abbreviated world juniors, which will be restarted here in July or August, I think, one of the two months, because COVID kind of paused it. Um I think you could see Honestly, those two guys should, could maybe even go like three and four in real life, but at least one of them should be going top five in real life. Probably both. But there's a couple of decent defensemen at the top there. And then after them, oh, there's there's quite a lot here. If if you like uh, really fast and skilled wingers, uh, Matthew Savoy could be your guy. There's still potential he could be a centerman, but he is only five. I do love those. Yeah, he is only 5'9", 175 but I don't know how how likely he is to stick at center. He, he could be one of those players where they're listed at center, but they don't really take a lot of face-offs. Uh, but he's, he's, a, he's a plus skater. He's got some pretty good puck skills in terms of creativity with the puck and passing. Yeah, he's got a decent shot. He could be a guy who really puts up some points, but maybe kind of empty on the physical categories. Uh, Cutter, so he's American, so I don't know if it will be or Gauthier or gochier. I know a, a, uh, an older friend in real life who went by the pronunciation of Gothier, but obviously the more traditional French would be Gauthier.
1: Yeah, I, I think Gooch is probably pretty close. <laughs> oh, sure. Gauthier.
0: Go- uh, okay. And uh, he is, he's kind of like a, 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 a yeah. He's like a, a, a winger center tweener too, but he's got better size and theoretically could, could be more likely to physically handle the demands of the position. He's got a really good shot. He's kind of like NHL average in terms of like skating and puck skills, which to be fair is good because you think of, you know, you're talking about the average player here and there's half the league is worse roughly. That's how averages work. Um, but he's, he's more of a, a scorer, And I, I particularly like him and like the real life standpoint is like a, a back half of the top 10 guy. Uh, there's Jochen Kemel, who's a Finnish winger, or I believe he's fin- yeah, fin- Finnish. yeah, Finnish. Because you know, not all he plays in the Finnish Liga, but not every player in those leagues are from that country. Uh, once again, a, a, a decent shot. It's not, it's not quite like Cutter Gothier or uh, Shane Wright levels of more, maybe probably like like a, a Matthew Savoy type shot, above average, but not special. Uh he's more of a I want to say more of like a meat and potatoes type guy. He's a lot more straight line. He's not really gonna go through a whole team and just kind of try to beat everybody. But he 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 goes to the the smart areas on the ice where players have to go if you want to score. Not every player likes to kind of go into those those dirtier areas to, to put the puck in the net, but Kemmel will, and that'll get him some some decent rebound goals, maybe might work well on a power play. that regard um you kind of have other wingers like danila yurov who once again a bit more of a a skilled player uh the shot isn't really anything special there a decent skater i mean once again there's a reason why in in like a weaker draft these guys are kind of more like around like the 10th pick maybe a little after Um, there is an interesting Uh, card here of Ivan Morosnichenko, uh, diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in January. A guy who was, uh, probably a a top five pick before that diagnosis, but from all reports are he is in remission and I believe he's on the ice still. Uh, so that could be a guy who with, you know, a a good recovery could potentially be a, a very good value pick depending on where he goes in our league. He is a winger though but the, the potential with him offensively could be enough to make him like a viable winger in our in our format um if you like centers there's a guy named Marco Casper uh I love that name who's kind of Casper with a k uh who's kind of had a, a a bit of a a late surge here with how he's played in the top tier in Sweden uh very another kind of meat and potatoes kind of player and by that i mean like he just you know, he's, he's not really like a, a perimeter-skilled player. He's a guy who really goes, you know, to all ends of the ice. He's very straightforward. He's not afraid to engage physically and try to beat guys in, in board battles. But he is a centerman, and that's always nice. Uh, a, a true centerman, too. As I mentioned with a few players earlier, there's not really definitive chances they'll stick at center. They could, but they could very easily be moved to wing. That's one of the harder hardest things in these drafts to to figure out is is will players stick at center and that's why when it comes yeah. to guys like, like Shane Wright and you know uh Casper the guy I'm talking about right now and perhaps Cutter Gothier, why I might be more willing to perhaps bump them up the board a little bit compared to real life draft lists just because they have the size and skill set to stick at center um let's see other guys here Jonathan LaCaramacchi Who's listed as a winger, but I think has played center at some points in his career. Uh, Very good scorer, but he's a bit too uh, perimeter based. And by that I mean, he's going to hang out more like around the the outsides of the faceoff circles. He's not really going to go to the slot area as much as you may like. Granted, he's not huge. He's like 5'11 and 165 at the moment. Probably bumped it up closer to like 180 with like an NHL training regimen but he's still not of particularly great size, but he could be a pretty good goal scorer uh, in in the league. Um, Let's see, who else have I not talked about here? Um, I think I've got everybody in the top 10 on this list. Um, One of the more divisive prospects in this draft is Brad Lambert, who is Finnish, despite the name. Uh, his father is Canadian, but he played in Finland and settled there and met a Finnish woman. And I believe Lambert has dual eligibility, but plays for Finland because that's where he grew up. Um, he's a very high-end athlete. He's got some great skating. He's decently creative with the puck. He's not like you know, like Trevor Zegers type of stuff. Or even uh, uh, Kent Johnson, who was the other guy last year, who had some pretty good puck skills. But with Lambert, the questions are attitude and, like, compete. He's not exactly wowed scouts with his ability to stay engaged across all games. Uh, He changed teams in Finland this year, which is not something that really happens in in European League's midseason, but he just was not playing a lot with the previous team, and his production was not very good, so he went to a different team in an effort to try to get more ice time. Uh, this question about whether his dad is like one of those, like one of those hockey dads kind of micromanaging his whole career. So there's just a lot of question marks about whether or not Brad Lambert is going to be the type of player who a coach can count on and, and get to buy in, or if he's going to be a guy who's more in business for himself, if that makes any sense. But yeah. when he was at the world juniors, before it shut down, he was a point per game. He was or probably, I think he was above a point per game. He was very good showing at World Juniors, but has been pretty poor against men, which isn't always a bad thing. I mean, Lucas Raymond, with who did not have any of those attitude uh, issues, but the the nature of pro hockey in Europe is these guys these teams are trying to win, and they're not there to really necessarily develop talent. I mean, they have like farm systems, like pro, uh, promotion relegation style setups. So they are developing talent at lower levels, but once you get to the main team, they're still going to rely on veterans who have the experience and the the mature bodies to to play these games. And Raymond came over to the NHL and he killed it. So I I, I would not look at lesser production for a a teenager playing in a men's league and discount that. That honestly can the fact that they're playing at that level is a good sign.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, Lambert's definitely good with the puck. He's more of a puck carrier he can really as i said he can do things with the puck that are a bit more creative he's a great skater um see anyone else who i really want to to mention here uh connor geeky is a fun player is the the younger brother of morgan geeky um but he is a he's a bad skater but he's big he's like 6'3 200 pounds and he's a centerman which is nice but he is not a good skater and that seems
1: like it's unlikely you're you're going to be very impactful if you're kind of a shit skater.
0: Well, John Tavares isn't exactly a good skater, but he's probably closer to NHL average than Geeky is. But Geeky also doesn't have the shot that John Tavares did. Like, maybe he's not yeah. – Tavares isn't maybe known as a goal scorer at this point in his career, but for those who maybe didn't follow hockey, John Tavares was a, a goal scorer in junior. He was he was a real big shooter. Um, and he scored a lot of goals in the NHL, too, to this point. But with that, he does have size. He is he is smart, and he can you can make plays. Um, could be good on the power play potentially, especially. To, I don't know if he plays net front. I mean, it's really easy to see a guy his size and try to pigeonhole him there. Um, but he could be a player who, because he's not really sexy, and with the questions about his skating, who I could see you know maybe being like the the quiet but like effective player who. You don't love what you see, but it, it works. Um, it's weird when i when I hear when I hear that, I think of Corey Maggette in the the goat of all sports nicknames. Are you familiar with that? No, remind me. Uh, so they called Corey Maggette "bad porn" because he because he, <laughs> <laughs> he does some penetrating, he doesn't scoring, but you don't like what you see. <laughs> um, it is a fantastic. and uh i mean counter geeky in a way you know maybe you don't like what you see but he he might be able to to put up some results here especially you know if he can be competent to face off dot Uh, other centers here from the u.s team so the u.s development program also had logan cooley this isn't exactly a huge year for them but outside logan cooley they also do have cutter goth who i mentioned earlier we have uh, Frank Nazar, who on some boards is higher. He could be a potential top 10 pick, depending on who you ask. But he is a bit slighter. He's about 5'10", 175, which is a little bit, a little bit below average for size for centermen. But he's, he's he's an easy player. He can skate pretty well. Um, I believe he was supposed to be like a third-line center or maybe even like a top six winger with the U.S. NTDP this year. But because of injuries, he was forced into a second-line center role. And then, as the team got healthier, he kind of held on to that role. So, that could be a potential promising uh, promising aspect of his game. Very good competitor, too. He's a guy who's going to have a high motor. He's not really going to quit on a lot of plays. And the USNCDP also has another player whose name is Rutger McGroarty. That's MC, oh, that. MC, capital G R O A R T Y, McGroarty. It's a great name uh not a particularly great skater but he's a pretty decent shooter uh he was the captain of the us ncdp this year and is committed to michigan which michigan's been really good at getting commitments in college hockey maybe not so great at actually doing anything in the tournament um he's pretty well skilled he can work inside out he's not strictly perimeter but he's also not a great skater bit of an awkward stride but he's probably more of a winger at this level um i don't know if he played center i feel like i've seen things say he plays center but probably more of a winger at this level um and then there's other like boring defensemen who you know once again not very offensively gifted but kevin korchinsky is a name uh let's see who's the other one here uh pavel mintikov um yeah that's uh, Denton Metyuk or Metyuk, Metyuk. that's, that's probably already close to almost 20 names. So that's, you know, almost two rounds worth of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah no, that's
1: been great. It's a bunch of people I won't be drafting because they don't have yeah. any picks.
0: Owen Pickering so, is another kind of boring defenseman in that mold too. Perhaps. Uh, another great name, Jimmy Snuggerud also from the USN. Oh, that's, yeah, that's
1: excellent. I think that's just going to be my thing from now on. Oh. My last pick is just
0: find the best name. I. Uh, there's other, if you want to talk great names too, Jagger, Fergus, probably more of like a third or fourth rounder for us. Okay. Um, and then my personal favorite who is not on the list I'm looking at, but I'm going to see uh, where he is ranked on. He should probably have, I think this website I'm looking at here will have the central scouting. So NHL has a thing called central scouting where like their own scouts kind of put out like a list and they separate it by North American and European. Um, okay. If Elite Prospects is updated. I believe he is the 15th ranked European skater, which is not goalies. Essentially, anyone else is a skater. Forwards and defensemen are all skaters. Yeah. um his name, pretty good. His name is Gleb. That's G-L-E-B. Okay. Get ready for this. Trick is off. T-R-I-K-O-Z-O-V. And yes, he is pretty good with the puck. And for a guy whose last name contains the word trick, he is—he is definitely kind of gifted at uh, at doing different things with the puck. He's not like you know otherworldly, but you know one of the more like creative players in this draft. I—I um, I feel like that name alone kind of deserves a mention.
1: I might have to—I might have to get back in this draft just for that. Let's see, do I have any picks? I have a fourth.
0: I have a fourth. Well, trick Trickazov might be there depending on how how much other people want to lean into names, but considering the fact that Nathan is in our draft, you know, maybe not.
1: Well, do you want to see how we do on this, these draft picks,
0: this lottery? Let's do. I have nothing in this draft, I don't think. I might, I might have like a fourth, but nothing of real. Uh, points you
1: points have, to. yeah, you have Tom's fourth. Okay. Fine. Yep. All right. So um, the we're going to do it again. I'm not going to record it. I'm just, we're just going to play it uh, because neither of us, both of us were in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, I won. Now, um, the best odds to josh 37 percent. congratulations josh your team was the worst next is barry at 22 uh that's crazy because barry's team was i think on paper obviously the worst but josh yeah. ended up with the worst record let me make sure i had that right because oh, he, did.
0: he did i'm, I'm pretty Actually, sure barry gosh, yeah i'm pretty sure barry was bad on the on the, the royal table with the exception of defense points
1: yeah barry had 91 wins and josh had 86 wins yep. Next up is Tom. Um, He's got 16 balls. Keith, or I guess really Kevin. Yeah. Fourth, then Ping, whose team is actually good, but Dylan did nothing with it. Um, Next year, he will probably make the playoffs. Uh, Then next is Nate with four picks. So drum roll. Pick six goes to keith or kevin so he mm. fell back a couple of spots then nate ping is next third goes to barry who drops back a spot so tom is he gonna be number two he is not josh is second so tom actually has the first pick in this draft congratulations thomas
0: did uh did he pick first last year too if you have know that i before?
1: think so let's see scroll 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 Rookie draft, uh, Josh had first pick, and then Spencer traded for that pick and took Matthew Veneers. Oh right. Okay. In fact, Tom wasn't until one, two, three, four, five. I had the fifth pick, Brent Clark.
0: Huh. See, I I must just associate Tom with being bad uh, a lot.
1: Well, he did have the fifth
0: pick, but yeah. he may have had the
1: worst the worst record. But you know, the lottery just didn't work out for him.
0: Maybe I could see that happening.
1: In fact, Ooh. with the power of the internet, he had he was an eighth so the third worst so he did
0: drop back two spots but not that uh, as we were speaking here uh alex dropped another category to me is his four starters a couple of them blew up a little bit and i have now retaken k walk
1: and maybe that's why he's not around right now
0: yeah this i I, I really like hope cause, yeah he's been a little absent in the chat so i really hope that nothing's going on with him because i have been really riding the whole uh I'm kicking his ass thing. I already have like a, a great. Yeah. I already have like a great, yeah. uh, a great meme picture set up to post if things hold. Um, <laughs> because this is going to be like a commanding here. first place for you now, uh, just because you went through the,
1: well, like the number one team from last year. Yeah, but, I beat him last week barely, but yeah. I did.
0: But Josh, I believe, is in first right now, and he's also he's at ten one and one, while I'm only at ten and two. Only ten and two. I'm here struggling against Paulo. Uh, Mike is up 11-1 on Tom. Tom is gone all week. I know we said we were going to get on him about his lineup, but looks like he's actually set. Holy fuck, Tom has five home runs today. (laughs) Okay, yeah, Tom's still – lineup is still set-ish, but damn. Okay. But he's still losing to Mike. Wow. Poor
1: Tom. Oh, Tom's. I think – is he, like, the most injured team right now? It's got to be. It's been pretty
0: bad. I mean, he's missing Chris Bryant. Nick Magical, uh Degrom. I think Degrom goes without saying, though. Yeah. Um, I think Ryu was still in the IL. It's uh, it's pretty rough over there at the moment.
1: No love for the flamingos. Uh, well, but it's good draft preview. Uh, I had fun. I hope you had fun. I did some basketball, bored people out, and then you did hockey, and
0: you did quite well. I think you were ready. I, I hope that combined we each learned some things, and I hope that other people listening learned uh, some things. Yeah, um, like reading rainbow. Yeah, and I guess too, while you're on, if you want to talk about how like you know baseball is going for you or anything, because I know we did a little uh, on baseball. My, with me. My so. team is
1: very mediocre as expected. So um, I'm liking the pitching, and our
0: bats are starting to heat up. <laughs> I'm glad this is.
1: Yeah.
0: Glad this I, isn't a video podcast. <laughs> you don't have to see my reaction to that statement i have no idea what you're talking about so. uh you're are, you and i have a difference of opinion on your the quality of your pitching
1: um oh yeah no my pitching is actually pretty pretty solid overall um it's just it's
0: what it is <laughs> you didn't like it but it's true uh, well all
1: right uh oh speaking of which uh mr Mr. Tyler got me a quality start tonight. Hey, Thank
0: you. You 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 called him an ace earlier, and he responded. Uh, any anything you want to talk about? I guess with like your WNBA team. I'm getting stomped yeah, by I'm you right you now. Yeah,
1: personally, right now, yeah, absolutely. And uh, Dangerfield, great name, waived twice already. <laughs>
0: that's
1: awesome. So she's gone. I'm done with that.
0: Yeah, that's pretty rough. Yeah, uh, just losing uh, Stewart to uh, the COVID list right now kind of stings a little bit. Um, oh, nice. I did not see that one of my players was back from injury today. That's a shame. But yeah, you are. Alex is with He's killing it. Yeah.
1: 1,000 points. I thought it was just like, he's
0: got 1,000. Yeah, he's had, oh my God, he has two, he has a 49 and a 44 today. Juggernaut you know, I'm, I'm upset with myself because I really thought about taking Kelsey Plum. And, like, I think I held off. I forgot who I took him ahead of her. And I was really debating her. She's had a 47, 43, 28, and
1: 44.
0: Damn. Yeah, Alex looks very tough right now. And that's... Especially with the news you shared earlier about Russia uh, extending grinders to uh, yeah,
1: that, that was terrible to see. But, yeah. I mean, I I mean, I mean, laughed whenever I saw it. Just, just thinking of you and how you, you snagged her from
0: me. And it just uh, it didn't quite work out for you. Hey, if I can hang around long enough to be in the playoffs, and she comes back for that last stretch run, you know that could be all I need. In theory, well, there's, there's
1: six teams. I, are we all not making the playoffs?
0: I think it's a four. I think it's a four. I it's a, four. Yeah, yeah. I, I set it up so that it is. Uh, I think it's a and a, in real life it's a 13 week regular season. I set it up for 10 weeks so that each team plays each team twice, once home, once away. That took a lot of manual schedule fixing. You can check. You can see that on the uh, the league updates page. There's probably like 20 schedule updates <laughs> for me submitting and rechecking and submitting and rechecking. Um, you and didn't then, uh,
1: just hit the automatic reset,
0: but uh. So the way it was set up originally was like some teams are playing each other three times. Some are playing once, and like I just didn't want to to bother with what ESPN apparently felt like was was a balanced schedule. So I said. You know, the the Bill O'Reilly, fuck it, we'll do it live. I'll do it myself. Um, Okay. And uh, that means two weeks of playoffs. So we should have one week of regular season where there's no playing. Hopefully that does not uh, result in any early resting of players. And it doesn't affect our championship. I'm hoping it doesn't, but with such a short regular season, there's not really a whole lot I can do if I want to actually have a regular season. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. That's fine. I mean, it's not like this counts anyway, but it's fun. I'm enjoying it.
0: Yeah, for sure, and it's definitely a, a a fun learning experience, and you know, a test run if we want to actually turn this into somewhat dynasty. We'll see how things go. Yeah. All right, man. Well. Yeah. Thank you. you. Have a good night. Yeah, thank you for joining me. I appreciated you going way in depth on basketball more so than I did on hockey. But uh, hopefully, this is a, a pretty good draft preview. when having two drafts run at the same time made for a nice little. Uh, a larger episode to hopefully make up for the fact that I'm going to be a few days late on this. So, bye everybody. See you. All right, I think I would prefer to lead off the post-interview segments with uh, football draft recap. You know, just for the people who like to turn uh, out to. When I start talking about matchups in baseball, I'll uh, throw you guys a little cookie here and uh, lead with perhaps some of the more interesting stuff. I believe last time I had left off, we were most of the way through the second round. Um, So, not really a whole lot of, you know, real consequence later in the draft here. Uh, Not really, you know, mess with me and took Jelani Woods early in the third. I was considering trading up into the late third or early fourth if he was still on the board, but he was not. Uh, Nathan took Justin Ross, who is perhaps... Outside, you know, outside of like you know the quarterbacks, perhaps the biggest like boom or bust player, uh, some real serious health injuries or health issues rather there, and how long he'll hold up in the NFL. But if he does hold up, he could be perhaps really good. Uh, I liked Ping's pick of Hassan Haskins because I'm a biased Michigan fan. Um, let's see, Snoop Connor. That's just a really fun name to say. Chris taking Carson Strong right ahead of Mike was admittedly pretty funny. Uh, Let's see, and then you know I'm gonna call the two guys I acquired by buying my way into the fourth round. Uh, Bailey Zappi, uh, I mean he broke a lot of records, Uh, NCAA records broke the the Joe Burrow touchdowns in a season record. Uh, Obviously coming from a small school, as his is uh his negatives to his game, which is why he was drafted where he was. But you know, I figure for the low cost of cap space for one year, uh, you know, it's a quarterback, just like pretty much any other quarterback you take in these later rounds. If if they make it, you're you're set and that's that's a huge value pick. So it's it's worth a risk to especially with how, how little downside there was to, to buying a pick there. And lastly, Jared Bernhardt, just because he's from Ferris State, and because I have to talk about Ferris State when and where I can, it's just it's it's a personality trait. It's a it's a benefit that comes with having me in your league. Uh, that is pretty much all the the football stuff. Uh, I think we can uh, head on to the uh, baseball now. Yeah, that's that's where we'll move to next. You know, I really should have uh, mentioned while I was on the football segment here that uh, I believe it's already done at this point, but Chris had reached out to get uh, contracts, so we'll have rookie contracts being finalized here shortly. Uh, Poor went out for Ping, who after his three first round picks, everybody is on a one-year deal. Heck, he might even have given uh, a one-year deal to maybe one or two of his first rounders. I haven't checked yet, but yeah, he gets uh, a four-year, a three-year, a two-year, and then like billion one-year contracts to to figure uh figure out for all of his his many picks so i'll be interested to see uh how he manages to to cull his roster down to fit all the rookies on if he'll trade them if he'll just drop them or you know anything in between but as i mentioned we can go to baseball now we'll get into this uh first matchup here we've got Barry and Nathan. You're going to have to bear with me here. I, uh, didn't have the, uh, desire to really, uh, make pre-notes on this, but it's not like my baseball recaps have been, you know, short anyway. So I, I don't think anyone will really, uh, suffer here too much except for the fact that I'm continuing to talk for, for no real good reason here. Anyways, Barry's team. Uh, let's go with, uh, start down here with the pitchers. Uh, I mean, Spencer Strider pitched four clean innings with 8Ks. Lizardo picked up a quality start. Uh, Jose Urquidy with a a scoreless quality start. Um, That's... It looks like it from pitching standpoint. Hitting-wise, let's see here. Uh, Dylan Carlson hit four hundred on the week. Uh, Two homers for Abraham Toro. Homer and a steal for Jorge Mateo. Homer, for uh, for Kesan Hira pouring out for Kesson Hira as well. Uh, sent down to the minors. Uh, it's a it's a pretty hefty contract. If if he can't make it back for Barry, that'll that'll be a pretty big anchor. But we'll see how that goes. I mean, Hira has had success in the past. It's you know feasible that he can get back there again. He's he's proved he can do it. But with each passing day, that's just a little further away from uh, from the current reality. So you never know on nathan's side here uh you know the losing side because barry beat him seven to four to one i don't know if i mentioned that at the top uh jake odorizzi 11 and two thirds scoreless innings only the one called to start though because you know 11.2 innings is less than 12 and you need six to get yeah you know i don't need to explain that to you guys 8 Ks with him uh, a 0.69 whip very nice uh let's see let's see let's see Shohei with 7 scoreless and 11 strikeouts picking up that quality start a 0.86 whip. Um Yeah that's it for pitching hitting wise let's see homers from Canha, Reyes Kirk four runs two homers and five ribbies from Byron Buxton uh yeah and that's about it not many for Nathan because you know he lost. If you lose, you probably don't have as many uh, many guys going off. Next up, we see a close one in the early season toilet bowl. Keefe moves past Tom 7-5. To We've got on Keefe's side four ribbies from Eric Hosmer, one of the hard, hottest hitters to start the season. Rowdy Tellez, three runs, three homers, 12 ribbies, and a 1.107 OPS uh, five runs, two homers, four ribbies, and a steal from Cedric Mullins, also posting a above 1,000 OPS. Colton Wong with five runs, a homer, two RBIs, but he did steal a base, hitting 412 on the week. Wow. Manny Margot with the, uh, the couple games of his career, uh, seven runs, three homers, 12 ribbies, two stolen bases, hit 500 with a 1.580 OPS, and then... Paven Smith, 3 runs, 2 homers, 3 ribbies. Uh Keith's army of uh minimum contract guys from free agency just killed it this week. And he also did pick up MJ Melendez, who as we've noted in the chat a couple times, Paulo tried to pick him up before he officially made his debut after he was called up, but he did not play that first day, uh, and then dropped him because, you know, you, you have to, you can't he, you can't keep a guy you add illegally. And then just never picked him up when he legally could, and Keith waited a few days and uh, and got him. So we'll see how MJ Melendez works out. Apparently, well enough to for Keith to say, "Hey, uh, I'm giving someone here Gary Sanchez for free if he, if anyone wants him." Moving on to Keith's pitchers. Let's see. Let's see here. We had we did get a quality start from Pablo Lopez. Twelve and two thirds on the week. Three earned. Twelve K's. A nice 2.13 ERA. Uh, yeah, moving down to Tom's team here. Tom with the, the power this week. Three runs, two homers, eight ribbies from Jesus Aguilar. Four runs, a homer, and six ribbies from Stephen Kwan, who maybe isn't in the spotlight as much now, but he's still hitting almost 300 on the year. We got Jorge Blanco with two runs, a homer, five ribbies, and a steal. Uh, Down here, we got a couple more uh, two-homer weeks, Acuna Jr. and Ryan Mountcastle. Acuna also tacking on three runs, four ribbies, and two steals. Mountcastle with three runs, five ribbies, and a steal. The uh, Vegas pitching, he he did add Glenn Otto on the week, and no quality start, but only two earned through five innings. Not bad for a debut. Uh, Eric Fetty with uh, 12 innings, only one earned. Uh, seven strikeouts so he gets the call qual- only one quality start but a 0.75 era pretty good on the week uh zach davies with the quality start how about it six and a third scoreless innings with a 0.79 whip that's not the zach davies i signed apparently uh christian javier with eight and a third scoreless and nine strikeouts but that's in relief uh let's see let's see let's see yeah Move on to the, the next one here. We've got the Damn Dirty Apes taking down the Fargo Frostbite, 7-4-1. to to Alex with the just absolutely cowardly move to uh, drop the belt before facing me this week. And oh we'll get to how that matchup's going here in a few minutes. Don't worry. I am thrilled to talk about that at this point. So you can mark this down now. I'm recording this on the 11th, so uh, Wednesday. And you can use this as your point of demarcation when the, uh, the result flips here by the end of the week. Anyways, let's go Chris first here because he won, and we'll start down here with the pitching quality start for Thor. Uh, Tony Gonsolin only walked one batter this week, the week in question here. So that's that's a win for Chris. Zach Gallen with thirteen and a third, two earned, twelve strikeouts, two quality starts. That evens out to be or lines out to be a one three five ERA and a point seven five WHIP. We have got. We did get a quality start from Merrill Kelly, eight and two-thirds. I guess they didn't let him finish it. Uh, eight strikeouts, a one ERA, a 1-0-4 whip. Uh, let's see, hitting-wise, Pete Alonso, five runs, three homers, eight ribbies. Josh Naylor tacking on five ribbies. Christian Yelich with seven runs, a homer, five ribbies, and a steal. Uh, Jared Walsh with five runs, three homers, and nine ribbies. Two steals from Jose Ramirez. Uh it's a lot of power this week for Chris too. Two run or two two more homers and, and two ribbies for Brian Reynolds. Um uh, yeah, we can tack on Adam Duvall here with four runs, a homer and four RBIs, and arguably the worst swing and miss on any pitch this year that uh miss on Audavito slider was uh grounds for all, you I could see someone being demoted for that if they didn't have the uh the the tenure that uh Adam Duvall has in the league we'll go to Alex here next and we will lead off Alex's team with a player that Chris noted as a uh, you know not a not very good pitcher. Uh, it's Dylan Cease, who at you know time of this recording is uh, 18th on the player radar for starting pitchers. It's pretty good actually it turns out. 12 innings, a quality start, 19 strikeouts. He's got some some filthy stuff there. 7.5 ERA and a 0.67 whip. We'll skip over German Marquez for for Alex's sake. Uh, let's see quality start for Yu Darvish, only two earned through seven. Um, Max Freed with two quality starts, thirteen innings, fourteen strikeouts, a two zero three or sorry two zero eight ERA, and a nice point six nine WHIP and a fourteen K walk. Only the one uh, one walk for Freed across two starts. We have got. Quality starts from Eduardo Rodriguez and Zach Wheeler. 6-2 uh, for Eduardo, 7-2 for Wheeler. 8-7 strikeouts respectively, both with a quality start. Uh, Rodriguez with a 1.35 ERA and a .6 whip. Wheeler with a clean 0 ERA and a .91 whip. Uh, we've got hitters as well to talk about with Alex now. Uh, six ribbies for Tyler O'Neill. Perhaps he's starting to wake up a little bit. Freddie Freeman hitting three eighty nine on the week. No power really, but four runs and three ribbies still. Eugenio Suarez with four hits on the week, but three of them are homers. So that'll uh, translate to four runs and six ribbies. Hitting one sixty seven, but a nice eight twenty seven OPS. It's uh, it's a pretty fun, pretty fun dichotomy between those two numbers there. And then, uh, let's see, a homer with four ribbies from Jorge Soler, who seems to also be pretty much only hitting homers at this stage. Uh, Five runs a homer and five ribbies for Jose Abreu. And we'll move on to the next matchup now. We have a tie here between Valley Jobin and the Notorious NUT. It feels like through these first four weeks, we've had a lot of matchups between the trio of Mike Nutt and Nathan Pretty sure they have all played each other once by now. I'm not going to check the schedules because I'm too lazy, but I feel like they've all played each other at least once by now. So, and of course, this one ends in a tie. They must know each other too well from their previous fantasy leagues, and they know how to uh, to best counteract each other's styles. Uh, we can start with Nut, I suppose, here. We'll make Mike wait. Uh, Nutt did have Madison Bumgarner get thrown out after for just one inning. <laughs> that was very weird um five save holds from liam hendricks my goodness yeah nut is really running away with a save hold he's been really good on that on that regard uh six scoreless for kluber with a quality start um offensively matt olsen with uh homer and six ribbies five ribbies from Darno. juan soto with three runs two homers three ribbies and a steal juan soto uh at least when I see him, I don't really think of a, a speedyman, but he does have three steals on the year, and he will finish with, you know, I think you can probably pencil in for double-digit steals. Once again, not the type of guy who you may associate that with, breath of the bat, because of his phenomenal eye and his approach at the plate. But he can run a little bit. Owen Miller coming back with six runs, a homer, and five ribbies. I haven't checked on Owen Miller in a minute. Uh, he's still hitting 333 on the year. Uh, he's cooled off a bit but he's rocking a uh, five-game hitting streak, though. He's he's still producing at a rate that's well worth that uh, that free agent contract, or that waiver claim contract, rather. Got a homer and a steal from Tim Anderson. Homer and four runs and four rubies for Alex Bregman. Um. Huh. Josh Bell with seven runs, two homers, and six rubies. I just got a notification that uh I was added back to the chat. I I see Alex was not thrilled about uh me talking about his pitching once you know, once again we'll we'll get back on that. Believe me, I'm gonna talk about that a lot. You know, Alex, now that I'm you do this while I'm in the middle of recording the podcast, I'm just gonna make it worse for you here. I'm gonna go into excruciating detail about how your starting pitching did on the eleventh as I'm recording this. Anyways, back to this matchup here. I don't want to distract from uh, from Mike's week here. I mean, he was pretty decent. Better than Alex. You know, because he didn't uh, lose. We've got huh, five five innings and nine strikeouts for Garrett Whitlock. Still stretching out to a full-time starter here. Uh, Miles Mikolas with a decent outing. No quality start, though. Aaron Nola with a quality start. Seven innings, 7Ks. Only one earned. Uh. What else do we have here? I'm just going to read this one off just because I think it's funny. Steven Matz with eight innings and eight earned runs, but don't worry, he still picked up a quality start during the week. Um, uh, Justin Verlander still looking good. The strikeouts perhaps not where you may expect for Justin Verlander. That's an interesting early season development, but the ratios are pristine, and that's why he's the third starting pitcher on the player Raider so far this year. You know, he's behind two walleye. as I'm uh, very glad to to talk about, as I'm sure you all are painfully aware. We've got four runs, a homer, six ribbies, and a steal from Tyler Stevenson. Uh, Seven runs, a homer, six ribbies, and two steals from Jazz Chisel. Five runs, two homers, and seven ribbies from Mookie Betts. Ah, and... You know, a decent spattering of guys with one homer, a couple RBIs here and there, and pretty good offensive week for Mike. The second-to-last matchup here saw the Connecticut Whale pull out an 8-4 victory over Paolo to reclaim first place. The Connecticut Whale are very well acquainted with uh, first place in the regular season. Starting with Josh's pitching, we have got... Eric Lauer, once again, popping up here. Six and a third. The quality start, just one earned, but eight strikeouts. The Eric Lauer uh, becomes a strikeout artist uh, arc is not one I saw happening uh, this season. I'm going to be completely honest there. I've said that every week, I think, at this point. But, you know, until he stops, I'm probably going to keep saying it. Uh, The other pitchers of note here, uh, Framber picked up a quality start in six innings. Um trying to remember to look at save holds now i don't see anyone with more than three um oh no alex adding removing me from the chat and adding me back into it now i have to redo my notifications i'm gonna get a notification for every friggin' message that gets sent that's annoying um garrett cole six and a third ten strikeouts in a quality start just the one earned kevin gossman also six and a third innings but he finally walked his first batter I believe. I don't think he had walked a single batter uh, before this, and I have indeed confirmed that live on the pod. Uh, But he and uh, Cole, both same innings, uh, same runs. They both have a 1.42 ERA on the week. Josh is hitting. Giancarlo Stanton, three runs, two homers, five ribbies. Uh, Hope you guys like me calling it ribbies because it's a fun word to say and I'm going to keep saying it we got five runs for Wander Franco. Um, two runs, a homer, six ribbies for Nolan Arenado. Eight ribbies with six runs and three homers for Willie Adamas. It's a pretty good line. Willie Adamas perhaps waking up a bit. And, you know, in recent days maybe not so much. Okay, actually I don't know if I can say waking up a bit because he's the third shortstop on the player Raider. That's uh, selling him a bit short. Let's see, moving on to Paolo's uh, pitching here. Let's see, we have got um, seven innings, only one earned with six strikeouts from Walker Bueller, And that's about it, I thought I saw better ratios than that. Never mind. Offensively, five runs and four ribbies for Bo Bichette. Two runs, a homer, three rubies, but a steal from Aaron Judge, of all people. He can run a little bit. He can run better than many many people think. He's lanky, he's tall, he's big, but dude can move. Uh, Luis, I believe it's Luis Robert now. I think he wanted to be called Robert, but in an interview, I believe he pronounced it Robert in regards to how it would be pronounced in his home country. It's, is what it is. We'll go with Luis Robert, because I believe that's how he pronounces it himself. We've got Glaber Torres. Two runs, two homers, and four ribbies. You know, now I'm going to double-check something here real quick. Live on the pod, and if I need to correct myself, I will. If not, we'll move on. Nope, I don't think I need to correct myself here. All right. That leaves our last matchup with Moi. The Alabama Mudslides and the Blue Water Walleye tie in 6-6. The Blue Water Walleye down in this matchup coming into uh, Sunday, I believe. But once again, just doing just enough to pull it out and prevent a loss. We lost on the first week of the year, I believe. And then we have not lost since. And a tie is not a loss. So uh, we have Danelson Lamette, who was absolutely rage-cut by me. I want to mention how bad he is and how embarrassed i was to have that performance on my team uh we've got we're gonna have a little bit of pitching here because you know it's the walleye and you know walleye pitchers do pretty good things starters at least fuck you to know some piece of trash clayton kershaw seven scoreless and a quality start joe musgrove seven innings eight strikeouts and a quality start uh, Carlos Rodon only struck out three, but he did pick up a six-inning quality start. That's surprising. He's 53 strikeouts on the year. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, 11 innings, 10 Ks, and a quality start. Adam Wainwright with seven innings and a quality start. Uh, Tyone picking up a quality start. And last, but certainly not least, Corbin Burns, six innings, seven Ks, and a quality start. Uh... Pouring out for Akil Badu, who was sent down this week. Harrison Bader, four runs, a homer, four ribbies, and his steal. Doing some, uh, some... Bringing me the counting stats there, Bader is, with the homers and the steals so far this year. I've been pleased with his, his performances. Bryce Harper, three runs, two homers, four ribbies. Um, uh, Anthony Rendon, three runs, a homer, and four ribbies. Brandon Lau, five runs, two homers, three ribbies. Aaron Hicks stole two bases. Uh, Didn't get on often this week, but when he did, he ran. We'll move on to Ping's pitching here. We have got quality start with 12 and two-thirds from Chris Bassett and 12 Ks. We've got quality start with seven scoreless and 6 Ks from Frankie Montas. Uh, Six and a third in a quality start from Brad Keller. And offensively, we've got Homer and a steal for Jared Kalnick uh, Six runs, three homers, five ribbies Two steals for Manny Machado Who is still absolutely going off on a nightly basis Jose Altuve with seven runs Three homers, three ribbies um, Five runs, three ribbies And two steals for Tommy Edmond And two steals from Miles Straw we can go over now to the, the category leaders for the week. Nutt led the way in runs with 46. Chris with 14 homers. Keefe, of all people, with 51 RBIs. His squad of minimum contract free agents really driving guys in. Ping stealing eight bases. No surprise, he leads the league in that category by a mile. Keefe taking home the hitting ratios. 2.791 average and an 8.709 OPS. Alex with nice round numbers of 10 strike or 100 strikeouts and 10 quality starts. Tom taking home ERA with a 1.875. Yours truly with an 870 WHIP. Uh, Paolo with a 4909 K walk and Nutt with 12 save holds. Barry's five stars of the week hitters: Manny Margot for Keefe, Manny Machado for Ping, Rowdy Telez for Keefe, and a pair of Apes: Pete Alonso and Jared Walsh. Starting pitchers: Max Freed of Alex, Zach Gallon of Chris, Dylan Cease of Alex. Jordan Montgomery of Your Blue Water Walleye. Nick Pavetta for Ping. And relievers, Liam Hendricks for Nut. David Bednar for Ping. Emmanuel Classe for Josh. Daniel Bard for Paolo. And uh, Spencer Strider for Barry. Alex's Stars of the Week, we have Manny Margot for Keith Hitters. Hitting-wise, starting pitcher was Dylan Cease for Alex. And the reliever was Liam Hendricks for Nut. We can pop on over now to the standings. And as we speak, the Connecticut Whale are in first place. Uh, right behind them, the Blue Water Walleye, their reign of terror of two weeks atop the standings, ends as they are only one game back. Nutt is a game and a half back of Josh. All the game and a half, all the games back will be relative to first place. Uh, Alex in fourth with two and a half games back. Ping in fifth with five games back. Chris in sixth, six games back. Paolo in seventh, six and a half games back. Nathan in eighth, seven and a half games back. Barry in ninth, nine games back. Mike in tenth, with nine and a half games back. Eleventh is Keith, fourteen and a half back. And twelfth is Tom, fifteen back. While we're here, we can do the roto table. We're four matchups in, and I tallied everything up here. The roto leaders, Alex with 109. Nut also joint top with 109. Mike in third with 102, Josh in fourth with 100, Ping in fifth with 92, then comes me with 83, Nathan with 74, Paolo with 68, Keith with 65, Chris with 55, Barry with 42, and Tom with a ghastly 37. Uh, Hitting-wise, Nut with 64, Josh with 61, Mike with 53, Ping with 46, Paulo with 43, Alex 42, Nathan 41, Keith 36, Chris 26, Tom 24, Ronnie 20, Barry 12 or pitching-wise, rather. Alex, 67, Ronnie, 63, Mike, 49, Ping, 46, Not, 45, Josh, 39, Nathan, 33, Barry, 30, Chris, 29, Keith, 29, Paolo, 25, and Tom, 13. All right, before we end this part, we can talk... I oh, we can do a trade, I guess, here. Alex traded away Josh Jung, the currently injured third baseman prospect for the Texas Rangers in exchange for Kenley Jansen and a, a Keith loan. Uh, Jansen, obviously, pretty hefty salary, but Alex will get him for free and uh, hopefully add in his, for his sake, a decent reliever. And now let's move on to the current scoreboard. We have the 8th place regulators and the 5th place Alabama mudslides. Since we're doing this on Wednesday, I'll kind of give us a brief score update since we're a bit in here and the scores are perhaps a bit more reliable now than they would have been, say, Monday. Ping is up 7-4-1. To to We've got 11th place Keefe and 9th place Barry. Keefe is running away with this 9-2-1 to to at the moment. We have 10th place Valley Jobin and 12th place Vegas Flamingo. Uh, Mike is up 8-2-2 to two to two in that matchup. We have the 7th place Paulo in 6th place uh, Chris. Chris up 7-4-1 to to in this one. We have 3rd place Nut and 1st place Josh in what should be a real haymaker here. A heavyweight fight. Josh is up 6-5-1 to five to one as we speak, so this could be pretty, pretty close on the week. And then we have the second-place walleye in the fourth-place frostbite. Now, you might think about this. Second and fourth place in a 12-team league, that should be a really good matchup. Nope. The frostbite decided they didn't want to show up this week. The hitting sucks. The pitching has been really bad. And Alex, I just want you to know this is because you removed me from the group. I would have just left it, you know, at, I'm up 10-2, you know, maybe, you know, beaten you a little bit and would have moved on but oh no 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 my friend we have to do a little bit of a deeper dive here as a punishment right actually i I clicked on the wrong link there i want the box score i want to be able to see just how badly this has gotten although i don't know if this will have updated for uh, today's results we'll see check on your pitching here and see if the numbers are as bad as they show oh I'm, i'm just looking at today right yep there we go uh, Nick Martinez streamed today, four innings, five earned. Tyler, oh, I'm so glad I got him for so cheap compared to Matt Brash. Miguel, one and a third with eight runs. My God, he just single-handedly cost you pitching categories this week, my friend. Uh, Alex on the week is hitting 167. He's got a 5'1", OPS. His ERA is well above nine. His whip is almost one7 it's uh, it's not been a good week for the frostbite, and we'll see how it turns out. But there's a lot, of, a lot of room here in some of these categories between the walleye and the frostbite. And once again, as I mentioned earlier, Alex just not having the faith in his team, and he just could not stand to lose it to me, so he dropped the belt to Chris. But we do have Chris here at some point. I believe I don't think I've played him yet, so I'm coming for that belt at some point here. Mark my words, the walleye will hold it at least once this year. You know, because as I said, we're gonna win like sixteen weeks or whatever. I've uh, you know, the numbers will line up that'll it'll work out for me there, you know. It's pretty much guaranteed here. And with that, uh let's uh, let's wrap this up. We pretty much covered everything we needed to. Um we will Yeah, I will get ready to say my my uh traditional line here at the end, but before then you know, so, once again, a, a shout-out to, to thank you all for, for being such a uh, positive part of this league. It's a real good escape for me, and I appreciate you all You know, with the, the kind thoughts and for you know being so uh, accepting of the, the pod being uh, delayed a bit, but it's truly appreciated, and I, I really enjoy being a part of this, and that is mainly because all of you are here. So, special shout-out to uh, all of you, except Tom. Fuck Tom. All right, and we'll catch you all uh, next time.